0: episode of the post credits podcast my name is brian show i'm one of your hosts on this audio (laughs) journey (laughs) whatever you want to call it joining me is my co-host mr matt pepler how you doing buddy oh i'm great i'm great so uh just so everyone
1: knows i recovered from a migraine this morning so this might be a coherent podcast or it might be like cabin in the woods you know,
0: <laughs> I didn't, what was bad about cabin in the woods? I, thought was, I was a, good a space
1: cadet the entire time. So I think, uh, I think I let you and, uh, Andrew talk for the most part. That's how that one went. But now I don't have anyone else, but you to rely on. No,
0: you know? there's no one's going to save you today <laughs> from the horror of the Cropsy maniac of the uh, bird. Yeah. Yeah. This movie's great. Let's, do something that we almost never do and let's actually just describe the movie before we talk about it so what what is the burning in a tweet like give give us this tv guide synopsis here
1: uh a former uh summer camp caretaker horribly burned from a prank gone wrong Mm -hmm. lurks around an upstate new york summer camp bent on killing teenagers responsible for his disfigurement pretty much yeah. I, I well done. Fucking did it. <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's um it's a pretty simple plot.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: pretty easy to follow. so um the the one thing is that people say it's um a ripoff of Friday the thirteenth. I mean, I guess you could say that that it's like a slasher at a summer camp or near a summer camp.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But I mean, it, it went up against the second one, right? Or the first and the second one. So Jason really wasn't the killer yet. And you
0: had Tom Savini doing the effects. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you had the summer camp. You had uh, Tom Savini effects. A monstrous killer. Which, that's a good point. You know, Friday the 13th really hadn't established Jason as the murderer yet. So you can't really say his disfigurement. You know, it might have been influenced by young Jason in the first movie, but that's right. all we saw. You know, he wasn't going to go on to at the time they didn't know he was going to go on to be the face of the franchise. And a lot of people also like to point out that the campfire story is almost verbatim of the campfire <laughs> yeah. story in Friday the 13th Part 2. It is. Yeah. But they were produced the same year. So how could they really be influenced by each other?
1: Right. Right. Well, that I guess that's getting to the point is how were people calling it a ripoff when it was really competing for the same space and the same identity at the same time, you know?
0: Grabbing out for all that low-hanging fruit. <laughs> right. Because I feel like with the campfire scene, if you're going to write a campfire scene about a guy telling a story that happens to be true, what's one of the first things to come to your mind? Someone's going to jump out at the end of it, oh, you know it would be better? If he jumped out dressed as the killer who we're talking about. <laughs> That'd scare the shit out of people. Of course they're both going to do that. So who did it better? Uh,
1: Friday the 13th Part 2 or uh, The Burning?
0: You know, I, they must have been damn proud of that because they reused that speech in the opening of Friday the 13th Part 4 to sum up the whole franchise and they kind of do a super yeah. cut. And that's a good campfire story. Mm-hmm. But... I think the execution is probably a little better here uh, because when the guy jumps out, it's not so clearly a stupid mask, uh, <laughs> a guy right. running around with a spear and a diaper. Uh, and then it, it's good enough where he basic, they kind of remix it a little bit, but they tell the same campfire story right at the end of the movie to kind of send you out with a little bit of a chill, you know, it's like, yeah. don't look, he'll see you. Don't move. Right. He'll find you turn around Um, you're dead
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i thought that was a nice touch uh right at the end of the movie um this is a it's got a little sleaze to it you know from the 80s that -hmm. was like okay this dates it but at the same time like i thought like this was a really good movie of like building suspense in uh in horror movies you know um it caught me off guard on a couple times or a couple occasions throughout the movie, which I thought was surprising, since at this point we've seen all these stories, you know, mm-hmm. uh, countless times in countless other movies outside of Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, you know, so what what could you possibly be surprised about? But you know the the canoe going up to the raft. That was surprising, not like jolted me scary, but I expected a body of uh, one of the victims to be in the canoe, not to, not to have the killer show up with some fucking scissors. So <laughs> are, are
0: we doing this? We're jumping straight to the end of the movie like we always do. We're, oh, we <laughs> just, we just can't resist. We don't have to go through the whole plot beat by beat, but yeah. Well, you, want, you well, want to get into the raft attack. Well, okay. You can the raft but, attack. Well, but we'll but come if back you wanna, to the raft attack. Let's 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 circle back to the sleaze a little bit. Okay, that you were talking about there with with the hooker yeah. in the beginning.
1: Yeah, which I don't understand uh, why it's there because of what happens for the rest of the movie. You know why mm-hmm. does he just go up and kill a hooker? You know, in her in her her place, her domicile, right? Or whatever right. you
0: want to call it. You know, to that point how did the hooker agree to have sex with him and not see his face before they get all the way back to the, because he's not wearing bandages. Right. I mean, yeah, it's dark out, but you know, she just, (laughs) but like (laughs) to your point, why does he even kill her? It's just padding. Yeah. It's just, we need a kill. We haven't got to the camp yet. Just something. Right. Because
1: it's, uh, when you're watching it, you're just kind of along for the ride, you know? Mm -hmm. But then you get to the rest of the movie and you kind of forget about it. And then when the movie ends, you're like, but yeah, well, what about that hooker? <laughs> you know? Yeah. What was that about? Why? Uh I thought it was really odd. Um, and also like, where does he keep finding all the scissors? You know, he's like, um uh like is it one pair or is it like he found them all at Sam's club and was like, these are, these are the scissors.
0: Right. A value you know? pack of <laughs> yeah, buy in bulk. And uh, yeah, yeah. The, the hedge trimmers are cool and they kind of stole that in Friday part five for one of their more interesting kills. Um, I, I just think they chose that because they hadn't had a weapon yet. And uh, I, I didn't even really notice that, that he, because he was using the big hedge clippers, but then, yeah, in the scene where he kills the hooker, there's just, a, you know, a pretty nice heavy-duty pair of scissors there, and it's like, yeah, that's coincidental. <laughs> it's, right. You know? Yeah, maybe they're just trying to establish that that was his weapon, because it's something a, a groundskeeper would use, or a janitor yeah. would use. So they, they got access to everything in the world, but yeah, I'm sure it was just the question of, like, what haven't we seen in a movie yet? Right.
1: Oh yeah, scissors, hedge hedge clippers, whatever hedge trimmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we'll use that. Uh, yeah. So after the hooker scene, then you know we get we're clearly at a camp. So I mean you 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 can't help not think that it's Friday the Thirteenth. You know mm-hmm. they had a name. What is it called? Camp. Uh, oh, I camp Blackfoot. That. Oh, thank you. Camp Blackfoot is the name of a camp that they're at. Way to save that uh, one. <laughs> And um, I don't know, it's just a- after that hooker scene, it's just Friday the 13th. But at the same time, I can't help but think like this was kind of not influenced by Friday the 13th, but it was the other way around that Friday the 13th kind of saw this movie and like, we need more of that stuff in ours, you know, uh, yeah. because I feel like after after the second one, you, I mean, it's clearly, now you're making, like, they went forward with making an iconic character with a hockey mask and everything. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of, like, you have, like, a very imposing villain in this one as opposed to the smaller potato sack wearing Jason mm-hmm. in the second one, mm-hmm. you know? So, I don't know. I feel like uh, the rest of the Friday the 13th movies took a few pages from the burning.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you're probably right there. And... I I mean, you've got all of the things that they would wind up doing where like a character steals another character's clothes and people playing pranks on each other, which that is just kind of a trope of horror films in general. Uh, it, It is kind of interesting, though, how the imitators of the original Friday the 13th imitated most of the qualities that that movie I don't want to say got wrong, but they imitated and amplified most of the qualities that they didn't do as well as the suspense and the murder mystery. So it's like, let's take the graphic kills, let's take the salacious hanky panky and like really turn that up to to 11. Right. It is interesting to see, though, with with the cast, because you've got a pretty great cast with Holly Hunter. Uh, Jason Alexander back when he had hair was that weird for you to see because I'm sure you didn't know he was in this
1: No I didn't know um I try I don't remember Holly Hunter being in it and I just found that out like while I was doing research but yeah Jason Alexander just looks like a a, a very young version of uh can't stand ya, you know and then um just with hair you know like it doesn't look anything different. it's pretty crazy. But I didn't expect him to be it.
0: It is funny to me to see him with hair because, the, you know, Seinfeld being the first thing that I saw him in. I, I guess you just assume that he came out of the womb with that received hair <laughs> line and, Right. You know, like he's just George Costanza. He's great in this, though. There's a lot of like ad-libbing that he does and a lot of razzing that that. Well, I've said it. I, yeah. I feel like it has to be ad-libbed that that's just him as a comedian playing off these things and riffing off of it. Cause I just, right. I, I don't feel like it was this tightly scripted.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite uh, lines that he said was kind of a side comment that you barely hear. And it's when the raft uh, came back down river and one of the counselors swims out to it. And one of the younger girls asks Jason Alexander, like what's happening or what's on the raft or something like that. And he goes, I'm not the one swimming out there. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking me?
0: I didn't even hear that one. That's good. Yeah.
1: But yeah, like it was surprising to see him. I liked his character, but I also didn't want
0: to see his ass either, you know? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, (laughs) all of them, Moon, the the camp bully.
1: Right. Right. After he gets shot in the ass with a pellet gun, you know, Mm -hmm. he pushed a kid in water and then he gets shot at. (laughs) Like.
0: Well, we we did get a little bit of full frontal nudity later on, so I, I you know, they probably thought yeah, they were putting something in there for the ladies in the audience as well because w- <laughs> women were a big part of the audience for these films. Surprisingly, almost right. as many women, teenage women, went and saw this as young men. Yeah, which you'd think would be the other way around and just be an audience full of full of dudes.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, you would think so, but uh, it really wasn't the case. Um, can we talk about the prank gone wrong? sure uh okay so not that like in this movie the the antagonist like gets burned because a prank goes wrong it has to do with fire okay Mm -hmm. but that's not really my question it's kind of like just sets up the story but my question is how the fuck did no one get arrested for setting a janitor on fire (laughs) you know like i just that blows my mind that you have this burn victim in the hospital. Like, how did you get burned like this? The guy doesn't say anything yeah. at all, and it's like, I'm I'm going to kill now. Well, I'll see you know, later. He
0: he lives in a shack, so he probably doesn't have health insurance, and the police are like, you know, yeah, you're not worth it. But no, I don't know. That's a very good question. All of those kids, and it's not like they were hiding their identities because all of their faces are their heads are all smashed together right in that in window, window, like, hey, hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. man, wake up, man. Yeah, wake up, wake yeah. up. So, and they all, when when it goes sideways, they all s- sit there, they don't scatter, I mean, they don't try to help them, and I, I think they do that for dramatic reasons to make them more culpable, because it, as the movie goes on, you kind of find out one of the head counselors was this, was one of these kids grown up, and we don't really know that until towards the end of the movie when he starts flashing back to that right right he kind of starts flashing back to other people's memories too which editorially i always find a, a little <laughs> it's it's odd a little right? annoying because like we as the audience know what they're showing because we saw it but but
1: he hasn't seen the character hasn't seen it
0: yeah and it, that's just a little thing that like good editors should know better and, right and this was edited by a, a pretty good editor jack shoulder who also directed nightmare on elm street part two And uh, I think most of the reason why the killings are so effective is because it's very well edited. Yeah. That raft sequence, we'll come back to the raft sequence, but that is almost a master class of this is how you piece together a slasher attack. Yeah. Because each one of those shots on its own really isn't that great. But then when, when you put them together... It's like, oh, this is one of the fiercest attacks I've ever seen in a slasher film. It really is. Um,
1: it, uh, I, it was surprising, uh, and I went back through it and watched it like repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I was just like, not because I didn't see what happened the first time, but I thought, like, that build up and then those quick like scene like shots like was a pretty awesome juxtaposition, you know. Right, And really kind of like took you off balance
0: as a viewer, you know? So, uh, yeah. And it's it's relentless for like a good 40 some seconds. Right, right. Um, Whereas most of the other murders are pop up. A little well, bit of struggling. Now you're dead kind of a thing. Okay, right. A little bit of consequence to the stabbing.
1: Well, with most kills in any horror slasher movie... It's the kill, maybe you see some blood splatter, or maybe like once in a while you actually see the like the wound being inflicted, right? And then you have some random shot of like blood going somewhere, and then like the death gasp of whoever got killed or the slump over or something like that. So it's very like stereotypical where you have like the setup, the action, the result. That's Mm. it, you know. And then so you get accustomed to seeing that style of death in a movie. And then to be like, it kind of turned on its side a little. It was like, whoa, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. And then you have a little bit of, this was a Tom Savini invention on Friday the 13th was where you're swinging a fake weapon at people, but then you'd use the real thing to just get a cutaway of it going like taking a chunk out of a door frame or, part of the raft here because he'll, he'll hit the person with the scissors. And then the next shot is like, it's sticking into a, a piece of wood and then you got to right. rip it out. So it's like something that was phony into something that's real. And then, you know, that kind of amplifies the violence because it gives the fake stuff a, a sense of weight that it didn't really have before.
1: Right. Because it's like he uh stabs someone in the throat and then uh, a slash across the chest uh, fingers get cut off mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know it, uh knife into the uh like dock or raft or something yeah uh so it's like all these it almost reminded me of um how Sam Raimi did like the quick shots of um Ash putting on the chainsaw you okay. know where it was like here here's him putting it on and then like him starting the engine you know to the chainsaw you know all those like really cool things those quick edits so i wonder if like sam raimi was then influenced by it for like evil dead or something or his style of movie making
0: well I, I don't know but the the chainsaw sequence was a montage and i i guess that's kind of what we're getting at with this is how you put a slasher attack together is because each of these pieces by themselves has no weight but when you put this piece next to that piece. Now these two things create a sense of meaning and Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just a slasher attack, but that's the theory behind montage editing. So that that's that in practice. I mean, it's basically a montage. It's just that it's uh, it's happening in real time, but you're using the principle of montage editing to create your action sequence.
1: Yeah. So awesome. And you're right. Like, the the images don't mean anything by themselves or less important but together it makes like pretty visceral experience really great and then the special effects tom saviti's special effects which is so goddamn gross Mm -hmm. like the the uh slash across the forehead and then like you see it and it's just this like really big dent (laughs) it's like that's so (laughs) disgusting
0: Uh uh-huh
1: uh, the the fingertips getting cut off were particularly gross, because it's just like held up hands in front of someone's face, and then you're like, oh, the fingers are suddenly gone, but the hands are still there. Yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> so yeah, and and if you pause on that, that hand does not look that good. I mean, it, it doesn't even look like that guy's hand. It's some it's this big puffy like meatloaf of uh of a, <laughs> of a foam hand, and you know, but then clipping the fingers seeing them fly and then you immediately cut to the blood hitting his face and then cut back to the fingers are off and they're shooting blood and the screaming too in
1: there you know like everyone's screaming oh my god um but yeah and and what i liked is it's misdirection leading up to it too uh because it's like oh they found the raft right and you think like, oh, that's such a good thing.
0: They found a raft to like go get help or whatever. Or the not not found the raft, but found the canoe to go get help. Mm-hmm. Something you could actually steer because they're on this like rickety <laughs> Boy Scout.
1: <laughs> One thing that I hate is um, the guy that got his yeah the the guy that got his fingers cut off. He paddles wrong. So like when he has the like uh, whatever it is or push through the water it's actually on its end, so it's just sliding through the water real quick, and then it's flat when it's in the air. So he's doing no help whatsoever to everyone else on that raft. Like, it looks like he's rowing, but he's literally sliding through, sliding his oar through the water in, like, the least path, or the path of least resistance. It's like, those are the kind of canoers that I hate, by the way. Oh, yeah. You You get a couple swear words and, like,
0: you know, passive aggressive comments he's probably (laughs) splashing the people behind him while he's at it not just not realizing it (laughs) right (laughs) right what 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 am i doing wrong now the, the only thing i didn't like about that sequence was that there is no scenario that i believe that guy was laying flat enough in that canoe that they couldn't have seen him as they approach.
1: Right. You no, know, uh, like uh, it's,
0: it's just filmed at the, the right angle where if you don't question that, but it's like it, for anybody who's been in a canoe, you're just like, there's no room in these things. Yeah,
1: no, there really isn't. And like an ogre, you would just see like, you know, like <laughs> hanging out the side of the canoe, like a mile away. Like, what's that thing on the side of the canoe? Yeah. You know, because this is a pretty imposing villain. There's no way like he's laying down in a canoe and no one can see it, you know? hmm uh but uh yeah (laughs) and then he stands okay anyone try standing in a canoe when it's on like calm water
0: it's it's like you're you're on an ice
1: rink (laughs) you know you're just gonna flip that canoe right over so that's not really possible either
0: unless
1: it was shallow water and he was just like hiding in the water and then was able to like jump up and do his stabby stabby you know
0: yeah i mean for filming purposes i don't think he was ever in it because they never the shot of him standing up is just his silhouette framed against the sky and then he's just on the raft so they never show him standing up they uh, in the physical raft they never show him going onto the actual raft which he would have to do to murder the shit out of the people at the back, (laughs) you know? So they very smart. And once again, through montage editing, you just kind of put it all, your brain puts all those pieces together, even though it's not connected. Right. Right. So let's go back to the title or burning. Okay. Yeah. Just for a second. So the, uh, what, what did you think of that? Were were you impressed by the the fire stunt there? Yeah. Um, it made me think of like, uh,
1: um, Halloween too, mm-hmm. when like the burn is so great that it like go like goes up one wall across the ceiling and then down the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminded me of that. I thought it was pretty cool.
0: It is impressive. It's it's a little hard to unsee the stunt clothing on the guy because he's so puffy. Yeah, and you know, we've really come a long way, and that's the thing that it really makes me appreciate is seeing the very real physical jeopardy that that the guy the stunt guy put him in and that was a professional stuntman that Savini hired to do that effect and then later on in the movie he was a bonehead because they they needed an insert of him trying to like reach around the door frame right that they didn't get that was okay. Tom Savini's arm Okay. And he did it the jackass. He's lucky he didn't burn himself like Kane Hodder did. And he even said, he fully admits to this in his book. It's like, I should not have done this. I almost boiled my arm because he was just wearing, like, three pairs of long johns coated in rubber cement.
1: Holy shit.
0: And then they just did the thing reaching around the door. So, holy
1: shit. Do not fucking try that at
0: home. (laughs) That's super dangerous. Yeah. Like,
1: incredibly dangerous. I don't even know if I could, like accurately describe how dangerous writing or lighting rubber cement is like on fire. Like yeah.
0: that, that's bad news, you know? Well, <laughs> like, and, and as we know from uh listening to Kane Hodder talk about the thing, cause that's how he burned himself for people that don't know. He was doing a, a news piece about like, Hey, hometown stunt man. And then he bought rubber cement from the store. There was a specific kind that you're supposed to use. Well, nobody's supposed to do this like <laughs> let's let's just right put that out there so we're not encouraging this sort of thing but there was a type that stuntmen would buy because it would burn off and then you'd be safe it wasn't the kind that lit on fire and stayed on fire and became napalm right that's
1: the rubber cement i'm thinking of that's
0: the yeah. kind of rubber cement that he bought because he was you know down on his luck didn't have a lot of money thinking that oh you know i'll be able to put myself out and the, the reporter wound up saving his life. So more of this story, don't, don't do this. <laughs> right. Like, don't ever do this. And I thought it was actually really classy of Savini. Who's kind of known for having an ego and like any of his mistakes, they kind of gloss past those. People don't really talk about that. I thought it showed a lot of class on his part to not only acknowledge that, but to be like, look, I shouldn't have done this either. <laughs> like, don't you try this <laughs> because I almost right. killed myself.
1: Right uh yeah i mean that is pretty classy to do because you don't think like uh people want to show that they've made like pretty awful mistakes you know like please don't follow in my footsteps exactly be creative but don't do it this way
0: yeah especially when there's a a level of mystique of this being this legendary special effects guy that you know right oh you mean he makes mistakes too (laughs) (laughs) right uh But uh, what I started to say and kind of went past it is that it, it does make me appreciate how far the safety materials have come because they're like when people light themselves on fire now, like they can have like thin flesh colored gloves. A lot of times they're putting like a rubber mask on, but the gel that they coat themselves in or that they coat the under layer of the clothes that are on fire in, that stuff has become really sophisticated, and you do need to be licensed to buy it. Like, uh, you can actually Google this stuff and, and find, like, flame retardant stunt gel. They will not sell it to you. Like, it's not something you can just buy off of Amazon. Right. But you have right. to be a licensed stunt performer. Uh, I, I don't know if you have to be part of the guild or whatever, but it's kind of like a lot of these squibs. Like, you have to have a, a license from the ATF. Right. Because you're buying low caliber explosives. So,
1: well, right. And I think like the whole idea of like not everyone should have access to stuff like this is probably pretty smart, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Like, right. Like, because I just feel like there's, there would be, you know, that one group where it's like, oh, we can light ourselves on fire for our backyard wrestling movies. Oh, yeah. You know, and then like not, not put up, uh, area of gel on your body. And then the, the flame takes hold in your skin, you know? Cause that's yeah. like the whole thing with the gel, right. Is like, it's not that you don't feel the burning. It's just that the flame can't get onto the skin, right? Like you could still get burned. Right. But mm-hmm. like not on fire. Does that make sense? Like the yeah. difference.
0: And, and even that only that protection only lasts for so long. And another thing that most people don't know is that if you're doing a fire stunt, You have to hold your breath because the air around you is so hot that you could, I mean, you think about burning your mouth on a piece of pizza you just got out of the microwave. Okay. Oh my God. It's so many times. That's what you would do to your lungs because the air around you is on fire. The oxygen is so hot. Oh man. If you take that breath, you're going to burn your lungs and there's no salve that they can put on you to take care of that. So it's a very, very, very dangerous, (laughs) very dangerous thing. (laughs) And yes, you're absolutely right. It is a good thing that people don't have access to this stuff without proper training. <laughs> right. You know. Right. It's one of those things where you need to know, you need to have the training in order to avoid the mistakes. Right. Right. And and that's the level that creates an art form to doing something that's incredibly dangerous but doing it in a way that's more or less not going to wind up an in injury so you can still have your movie have your fun see the spectacular thing but nobody got injured and and that's right. why it's okay it it always right. boggled my mind we're like you, you get around a bunch of stunt people and they start talking about like how many bones they've broken you know <laughs> yeah. and yeah in the back of my mind i'm just thinking like doesn't that mean you're you're bad at your job because you got hurt doing it like <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good argument, but at the same time, I think that there's a certain type of personality with stuntmen that you also see with, like, certain type of athletes that do, like, I guess extreme sports, for lack of a better thing. It's like the the ability to, like, put yourself on the line to prove something or to make something spectacular, you know?
0: yeah. Well, and and amongst themselves, it's a little bit of you know, a, it's a bit Raggy of a badge nights. of honor. Yeah, yeah. Know, chest beating, world's toughest man kind of bullshit. Like, right? You're not tougher than me. I broke thirty seven <laughs> bones. I broke thirty yeah. nine, or I broke all the same bones twice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you're a special kind of moron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, man. Uh.
1: I... I would yeah, I've said it before. I would love to be a fly on the wall and have just to have like be around a bunch of stunt people and hear their stories, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I did this thing. Fell through glass from like 60 stories up. Yeah. Uh that would be pretty awesome. Okay, I want to talk about something that I kind of like um realized after the fact with the burning. Okay, so in the synopsis, it was like the Cropsey comes back to kill all the camp counselors or people at the camp that set him on fire. But throughout the movie, he does a fuck ton of killing to people that weren't involved mm-hmm. and doesn't kill the guy that was involved.
0: Because it's it's really just the one guy. Yeah. As far as we know, he's the only one who grew up to become one of the head counselors. Yeah. And he's he's yeah. just taken out everybody his rage on Everyone everybody else around
1: him yeah but doesn't kill the guy actually responsible that just like and his punishment was just getting sent home from camp you set a guy on fire and it's like okay man better luck next year come back you know in nine months maybe
0: you've learned something by then oh wait you know from jail no just your home oh man like where your parents live yeah. Oh, well, maybe his parents must have had a lot of money to to bribe all of those counselors <laughs> and all of the police to not don't not put our do son in God jail. <laughs>
1: That's
0: probably what happened. Mystery solved. It was the parents. They oh, just bribed everyone. Wait is
1: is that what what Cropsey's really fighting against? It's not the 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 people, but like just the money. It's the, an anti-capitalism yeah, movie. <laughs> big parent.
0: <laughs> He's fighting big parent. <laughs> yeah. What it that was pretty sinister though. I mean, he's not polite to anybody that he murders in this, but uh the the guy that he's supposed to be killing that we bit, I mean that's kind of a trope in slasher movies anyway, is killing everybody except who deserves it. We <laughs> we're, we're going to save right. them for last. Um but he's going to fucking burn him. Like that's yeah. pretty sinister. <laughs> it is. It is.
1: And then uh <laughs> It was, that, that end sequence was kind of bizarre because it's like, the cuts are made to look like the main character sees where Cropsy's at mm-hmm. because of the flame. And then he just turns it off and he's like, oh, where'd he go? Yeah. He go? <laughs> you he? Know? Right. Wait a minute, you just saw this flame coming out and you're like, you're looking right at it. And then he turns it off and it's like,
0: God, yeah.
1: I'm in the shadows. <laughs> I I mean, oh, I know I was just over here because I, you know, the flame was over there because it's off. I'm I'm gone.
0: Yeah, that was probably lost in translation because I I think you're right. It's it's probably intended that he's he doesn't see him because the flame went out. But it's like it's dark in there, but it's movie dark because it's still we see all of the lighting. We can see perfectly fine what's happening, but the characters can't see what's going on. Mm hmm. Yeah. They they might not have had the tools to properly convey that a la silence of the lambs of the Buffalo Bell <laughs> sequence in the basement there.
1: Wow. That's such an intense scene. Mm-hmm. No matter what, like I've uh it always makes me uh tense up whenever I see it. It's so good. Um that whole movie but yeah yeah, that whole movie is very good.
0: Man, I had I totally forgot the the guard that's in there that that Hannibal takes the face off of he's uh he's the shitty army guy that that leaves rambo behind in rambo 2 really and then john Kreese from cobra kai is one of his uh <laughs> <laughs> is one of his subordinates <laughs> i was watching that the other night it was like oh shit wow i totally forgot these guys were in it anyway what did you think of the cropsy design itself
1: oh uh, pretty creepy looking um when you finally see his face uh, I thought the um, when you first saw the burns mm-hmm. in the hospital, I was like, "That kind of just looks like black clay with red paint underneath it." You know, yeah. so I wasn't too. Um, I was a little more trepidatious as to what it looked like would look like in the at the end of the movie, but I thought like the burns looked really creepy and not like Freddy Krueger, but more like what you think you would see from a burn victim.
0: You yeah, know? it's it's kind of a fine line because it you could, you know, you can get away with a lot, but you really run the risk of making it look like a Halloween mask. Yeah. Especially because it basically was a mask that they put over the guy. And I I reread the chapter on the burning from Savini's Grand Illusions books, just in preparation for this. And he had said that he kept, and and I think the re- when they were in the hospital and they, they were hiding it, they weren't showing it. I, I think you're right. They just did some kind of goopy makeup thing and didn't really have the the look ready yet cuz he kept asking for more time in the schedule more time more time more time cuz his his reasoning was you know we spend all this time hiding it from the audience like it better be good when we do see it so you got to give me more time for this so he tried to keep pushing it back towards the end of the schedule but at the end of the day it was done in just 4 days okay the 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 makeup
1: on the face
0: the sculpture oh okay yeah which is mind-blowingly fat i would need like a month to do that
1: <laughs> right you know, like yeah that is uh very fast um yeah. what did I... you think about it though like the i thought the the way the pink uh skin looked was pretty creepy <laughs> you know
0: yeah it is it's um you know it's a burn makeup so you can get away with a lot but like i said you really have a fine line to walk because very quickly can that just turn into like a halloween mask and it it really didn't um man i <laughs> the shot where they slam the axe into the face of the thing and just like <laughs> blood flies out of its mouth <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know if you if that was planned or because the the diagram that they had of it basically there was a an indentation and then they just built the face out of wax and then painted over it. So that when he smashed the ax and like it was going into this pre-cut thing with all the blood behind it. So I don't know. It's just worked. <laughs> it just worked beautifully.
1: The, 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 uh, sounds too are particularly wet. <laughs> when, when that ax goes in, mm-hmm. it's pretty gross. Uh, I think that adds to its effect too. Cause you're like, Oh God, it's like this fountain this blood geyser like coming out of the mouth
0: a geyser yeah. an absolute blood geyser <laughs> uh
1: i thought it was pretty awesome
0: yeah um yeah his his point of view was pretty unique as well because there's a lot of movies that that just do the killer's point of view i thought it was interesting how they kind of had like an out of focused vignette around the edges yeah. of, of the screen. So it not only drew your attention to the middle of the screen, but it, it also kind of simulated his handicap. I thought yeah, was like one of his eyes was melted over. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that was intentional or just something to kind of stylistically set it apart from Halloween. Either way, if, if whether it was a happy accident or on purpose, I thought it worked really well. I do too. And I also,
1: uh, I like the vignette for a different reason or that effect is because a lot of times in a lot of other slasher movies, there's the viewpoint of the killer, you know, like through Halloween where you can hear the breathing sometimes in Friday the 13th, but then there's other times where they use it for a jump scare. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you're, you're the killer. And then, you know, your, your viewpoint is like from someone, someone or a different character in the, in the movie. Right. And then they scare someone. You know, I like how you're you intentionally know that you're looking through the killer's eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of it being some sort of wacky misdirection later, you know. So
0: like this is really the point of view of the cat that's going to jump out at you or something stupid like that. (laughs)
1: Right. Right. What did you think of the characters in this movie as far as like them being well becoming victims? Did you care about them or I think that could make or break a horror movie you know
0: it can i mean i wouldn't say i was emotionally invested uh although i i did feel you know i, I didn't enjoy seeing them get ripped off because like the girl that gets her clothes stolen there, there's kind of a vulnerability there and the guy yeah. just got done being a piece of shit to her so you know that one makes you feel uncomfortable uh i mean when he kills the bully he you know that that was pretty pretty brutal i mean he's he's picked he's he's basically forklift forklifted up off the ground with his pair of scissors and you just see him like like drooling blood and, and really struggling with that and mm-hmm. and then he gets pinned to a tree and suffers a little bit more so right yeah they really langu- languished on that one but um
1: uh yeah but he was one of the more annoying characters so i understand why they did
0: it mm-hmm. that
1: way his accent was god-awful.
0: Meanwhile, the womanizer gets off, quote-unquote, easy, because he's, he's part of the whole raft attack, so... Right, right. The, the guy that shot the bully with the BB gun gets his fingers chopped off, which is way worse <laughs> than what happens to the guy who, you know, basically um, sexually abused the, the one character, sexually and emotionally <laughs> abused her. And then yeah. she even gets a worse death than him, so yeah, I don't know. yeah, because uh, Cropsy's got his priorities in some weird, weird places. <laughs>
1: yeah, he does. Um, so I guess like uh, uh, Cropsy is an urban legend in Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did some reading up on it, and I wonder like how many horror icons have actually been influenced, like that we see in movies by the legend of Cropsy.
0: Well, break it down. Tell tell people about the Cropsey legend.
1: Well, Cropsey is just more or less this boogeyman, you know. Um, he would, like, come out and, like, um, get, you know, steal children or murder children, and stuff like that. The interesting thing that did happen in Staten Island is that there was, like, there ended up being a killer that did this. Uh, and um, so that kind of, like the legend was already around when that killer started this, like what he was doing, that was like the legend of Cropsey. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting thing for someone to actually start doing the same thing. So it kind of added to the urban legend. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But the depictions. Because it becomes um,
0: one of those kind of stranger than fiction. Right. Life imitating art sort of thing.
1: Right. And, um, uh, some of the depictions is like he had a hook for uh, a hand, you know? And it's like, well, you immediately go to two things, you know, when you think of that, you go to like, uh, the guy Candy in the back Man. seat, <laughs> No, like Candyman with like the hook for the arm, uh-huh. you know, or for the hand as well as I know what you did last summer. So it's interesting. Like, I wonder if visually okay. or, uh, whatever, or just like the, the urban legend, has influenced horror in that way. Like if that's where some of these writers got their inspiration to make like one of these horror icons like I know what you did last summer or um, you know, uh
0: Candyman. Well so, even the urban legend like of the couple making out like on Lover's Lane and then there's a knocking on the car and then, <laughs> you know, they get out to investigate and the hook is hanging off the door handle. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Like where did that come from? Was that part of the Cropsy thing? I don't know. That, that story's uh, been remixed so many times. Like, I don't know how you could even get to the bottom of figuring out where that yeah, came from.
1: I really wanted to know, like, what the urban legends were, you know, like, to find where the influences might have come from, if there were any. And it just seems like it's just passed down from people to people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I guess it's it might be like a, one of the more regional urban legends where it's like, what defines it are kind of loose things to me. That's what I got out of it.
0: Um. Well, that was one of the cool things, where they come back to the campfire story to to send you out with a little bit of a chill in this, mm-hmm. because knowing that this is based off of an actual urban legend, and then hearing somebody tell a campfire story after the events you know actually happen, let's presume this this movie is quote unquote the true story of Cropsy, right? Right. It's it's not, but for the sake of argument, let's let's pretend that this this is the definitive biopic of Cropsy. Then they're telling a story. It's almost like they're saying this is how he transitioned into legend and that's how the legend got started. Right, right. I did think it was interesting though earlier on how the counselor is telling a ghost story that he himself took part in yeah as this cautionary tale it like is he trying to hide in plain sight is that like a guilty conscious thing where he's he's trying to get caught for this after all these years
1: right it's kind of the movie takes on like a weird uh, inception style movie right Mm -hmm. if you look at it like that because it's uh you know you know the voiceover of or the camp story campfire story of the crime he committed or something, you right. know. Uh making the legend happen to him as uh-huh. well in the end. You know. Uh he breathes life into his own monster, so to speak. You know Yeah, he
0: really does. He really does. So this is one of the first Miramax movies do you know where i'm yeah. going with this
1: yeah i mean it's kind of the elephant in the room i i don't i don't <laughs> want
0: to give glory to the event that happened but i i just it's one thing that makes this movie a little difficult for, like as much as i recommend this movie to people because it is it it's a it's not just a friday the 13th rip off even though it it certainly has all of all of the elements in that stew that you would want it's a pretty well crafted slasher movie in its own right but it it's it always bothers me a little bit. Um, you know, maybe this is just part of growing up and, and seeing through the or, or seeing behind the curtain. But, you know, these Harvey Weinstein allegations, this was one of the first known incidents of that. And it's like, man, you know, so it wasn't just when he was older that he was a scumbag. Right. like He was, was always a scumbag.
1: Yeah, he really was. That um,
0: that makes it a little disheartening to to watch this movie and see that on on the screen there. But uh,
1: yeah, it's I I struggle with this a lot. Is the effects of uh, a a creative person, right? Uh, actor, uh, um, director, whatever. Um, when you find out that they have done something absolutely horrible, right? And then that's effect on your experience while watching something that they've worked on is something that I struggle with a lot, you know. And I don't want to spoil. <laughs> if people feel that way, the same way that I do, like it could spoil movies for you, you know. Right. One of the movies that I absolutely love, but I have a hard time watching now is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, because the principal, I mean. Oh, if you yeah. You don't want, it, like, I mean, yeah. he's a, a, like, kind of a pedophile child porn guy, you know? And it's like, God, damn it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to see that type of person mm-hmm. in front of me, you know? Well, yeah. Uh,
0: and it's also tough on a similar level with a movie like Jeepers Creepers because of what the director yes, of that movie did. Yep. And I think it's especially insidious in that instance. Because, you know, the movie's about a monster kidnapping children. Mm-hmm. So how do you look yeah. past that, even thematically, is entertainment, knowing Where what that guy yeah. did? That, to me, is especially dirty and forever taints that franchise in a way that Harvey Weinstein's systematic abuse of his power kind of... Yeah. It, it, at least with this movie, you can't see the direct parallel where it's like, oh, it was some creepy power fantasy for him. He was a person with a terrible problem. And that problem existed on the, on the business fringes of the piece of film itself, which doesn't excuse it, doesn't explain it away. It at least makes it where I, I can at least watch this and, and, Still lose myself in it as a piece of art and a piece of entertainment because the the crime wasn't directly influencing what wound up on screen. If that okay. makes yeah, any I kind mean, of it, sense.
1: It makes sense in a way, but it's like for me, it's like from an entertainment level is how I judge it because knowing what they've done and whatever it is whoever it is that they're a horrible person regardless if they've influenced the film or not their mere presence then dictates like takes entertainment value away from me does mm-hmm. that make sense so it's like yeah. it's harder for me to separate it it's and i mean i really do struggle with it because it's like i found that stuff out about that principle in Ferris Bueller's day off and it's like i haven't watched that since i i knew about that information you know mm-hmm. and that was like a movie i would almost watch yearly you know yeah um, so it's it's unfortunate and it's also similar to like Kevin Spacey you know uh, it's kind of like what were these power di- I think it's such a larger scale with uh, Harvey Weinstein than it is with um, Kevin Spacey but then you had Kevin Spacey really going off the deep end with his videos that he released to his social media channels like after these allegations came out which then it's like, oh God, you're you're a you're a psycho, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. So then it's like, well, fuck. I, I then I struggle with it with other Kevin Spacey movies. You Here's know? one of
0: the things that that really brings me down is that all of the people involved in making the film had no awareness of that incident of Harvey Weinstein doing his bullshity, yeah, thing. Right, 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 and by association his scumbaggery has tainted all of the hard work that all of these other people have done. That's not fair to them. And I just think that the moral of the, of the story here is uh, don't be a fucking scumbag because right. <laughs> it's not just you whose life you're fucking up. It's not just the person right. you're abusing whose life you're fucking up. There there are so many tertiary you're just doing so much damage to so many people and uh it it really just shows the ripple effect that
1: yeah it it does uh and yeah i still haven't found my way out of it <laughs> you yeah. know like no, to be tough to be entertained by some of the stuff that i did love before you know post like finding out some awful shit about someone
0: you know yeah. no it's, it's 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 a difficult thing to talk about i mean even when we're sitting here talking about it. it's like these are very complex issues to unpack. And, you know, it creates a lot of really strange, uh, conflicting emotions. And especially when that sense of innocence gets robbed from you, because now it's like you're, you know, indirectly part of it somehow, you know?
1: Right. It's that like, yeah, it's that like, you don't ever want to have anything to do with something awful like this happening. Right. And then you're, you're put right next to something where it's like, oh, that's a guy, yeah, or someone that is a h- awful human being. So it's mm-hmm. like you're watching them act, but deep down inside, you're like, I don't know where I'm going with this. I feel like I'm walking around in circles. But regardless, it's just it's one of those things where it's really unfortunate. And when I was doing, I didn't know that this was a Harvey Weinstein movie, or now I, that's a horrible way to say it. He was the. This is one of the first movies he produced. This isn't his movie, right? um but uh it was like oh man that kind of (laughs) sucks you know but then it's like you know you look at quentin tarantino and it's like up until what once upon a time in hollywood it Mm -hmm. was a miramax movie so it's like do you then like not do you disregard all of his work you know based on that you know I don't
0: know. Yeah, it's, no. it's such a gross can of worms. And uh, I'm I'm not sorry for opening it. I, I don't want to dwell on it too much longer. But I, I do think these are important things to kind of just address. I mean, even if you're, you're not going to come to any significant resolution to it, you know, I mean, you know, like, hey, while we're at it, why don't we solve the climate crisis? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I, I do think it's important to just talk about this stuff and acknowledge it, it just to get your just to kind of help clear the ear a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, it, it's something that I'm going to continue to wrestle with. Um, be, and you know, like what with, like what you just said about, it's not anyone's movie and you shouldn't like that let a let you, that shouldn't affect like how you experience something because there were so many other people that weren't doing these awful things involved with making what the entertainment that you're looking at, you know, hmm but it's, it's still one of those things that's, like, really hard to untangle, especially when it's, like, some of these crimes that were committed were just heinous, yeah. you know? Um, and the lowest of the low that you could possibly get. It's like, uh, you know, I feel like I could, like, easily forgive someone for drunk driving and slamming their car into a pole, right? But then it's like, oh, no, you psychologically affected someone's standard of living for the rest of their life. Like, how can I be okay with that? You know?
0: Yeah. Because now you're hurting people now, now you're right. Im- imposing your whatever on someone else. And and that's the, I, I think that's an a point um, an important distinction to make is that, uh, uh, you know, that that's when it becomes not cool because you're, you're taking something away that other people don't have a, a say in the matter of. Yeah. Yep um just terrible so now that we've brought everyone down <laughs> yes <laughs> final thoughts on the movie
1: well hold on do you want to talk about the uk controversy surrounding this movie
0: i am not aware of the uk controversy surrounding this movie Enlighten so uh
1: this one got released uh what i mean like everywhere there's multiple regions like any format there's multiple regions where uh a movie will get placed with or distributed with different rating systems and what that means okay Mm -hmm. so like here in the united states we have the mpaa you know they kind of like be like okay you got to turn that down a little or you know there's you know too much there's too much wrong in this whole movie you got to like edit the entire thing whatever you know but in britain they have something else um and that's the british board uh of film classification right so they classified this movie with some certain restrictions, and they and the movie needed to be edited down slightly in certain areas, uh, you know, because it it was too awful for them. Um, so if you got classified it's, it's, like
0: it's two, too, it's too awful, old boy. You have you have uh, yeah. to trim it down.
1: Well, a movie that was just too awful, you know. Uh here the MPAA just would be like, This we can't even rate this movie. This movie's unrated. <laughs> but, you yeah. know. Uh there, um, if it's one of those, they call it a video nasty, which is just a colloquial term uh for just like the, the lowest of the low, almost like a snuff film, right? right. Yeah. So the they made the edits, they got the okay to be released, and then they sent the movie to print, but printed the US version oh, and released it that way. Shit. So, <laughs> so the the movie that was released was the one that the board did not certify and was then banned in the the UK for it. Wow. <laughs> so this movie was banned for a super long time. Uh dubbed a video nasty. Um and I think it was only until recently that it was re-released.
0: Wow, because
1: <laughs> they've loosened up, you know, since then. Hey, that's so. one
0: way to get your movie out there, <laughs> like your original right. vision. Oh, we printed the wrong one. Scouts honor. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. <Right>. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Just not sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. So all the people in like in the '80s who had their VH copies of a. Uh, um, uh, The burning got the raw unedited american version right into their eyeballs so
0: amazing (laughs) yeah is that i wonder if that's the only time that that's happened
1: oh that like a misprint like that on that grand of a scale yeah there is some
0: regional mix-up
1: right i i don't i i you know obviously like i learn a lot of stuff about um movies just based on doing this podcast so like I'm not a historian yet, by any means. So I haven't come across any other movies where that has happened. Um, and I don't know if it's been repeated. Mm-hmm. so but that's that's pretty awesome though. Yeah. A way to just have your movie that you know uh, didn't really do
0: well in the box office just live in infamy.
1: It's like you were the first you were the first time that this has happened.
0: yeah, that's well, that's pretty much a good example of any press is good press,
1: right, right. Yeah, my final thoughts about this movie. Um, it's a it's a gem. There's certain things that uh are are rough around the edges, but I would watch rewatch this over several Friday the thirteenth movies. Not I wouldn't watch it over part four or six, but I would probably put it third among those. Like I really liked it. That's how much I like this movie. Oh good.
0: Well, yeah, what about you though? It's one I like to recommend to people. Because it's it's kind of like people that really like horror have an awareness of it. Uh, people who are kind of just getting into it, it it's it's a good movie to recommend because it it is it does hold up pretty well. It's it's very well made, and I wouldn't say that there's anything really original about it, but it's it's just very well made, and yeah, you know that kind of elevates it above you know certain other movies like. Um, especially amongst other Friday the 13th knockoffs uh, like 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 the Prowler. You know, I I kind of feel like, you know, (laughs) it's I it's a hard movie to recommend because I don't dislike the Prowler. But it really feels like it it doesn't quite hit this level of pulling everything together in a way that it kind of takes on a life of its own, even though it's a ripoff you can see that it's a ripoff very by the numbers. I mean, you know, again, you got the summer camp, you got the Tom Savini effects. I mean, it's like they open up the Friday the 13th phone book and just like, who do we, what do we do? How do we go down this? Right. (laughs) Um, But uh, it it is a good enough movie that I think it stands on its own merits. And I think it's just very well made. And I think that's why it's kind of stood the test of time.
1: I agree with that. And I think it's like for anyone who's like, collecting horror movies i think it's a perfect one to add to that collection you know this was a movie that i bought uh without even knowing much about it other than people are like that i trust say it's like yeah it's good <laughs> you know uh you know there's a few people where it's like if they say a movie's good like yourself chances are it's going to be pretty good or chances are if you say a movie's good i'm gonna like it more than you do does that mm-hmm. make sense <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. i think you're more critical. Uh, in like subtle nuances of movies than I am, you know.
0: Well, that that's just the curse of making movies, you know. I mean, just like police officers can't watch cop shows and things like that, you know. Right. It's just right. Like, those those gears are always turning, and I, I, it's it's a blessing and a curse.
1: Yep. And uh, I watched the um, Arrow version, uh, and it looks great on Blu-ray. I it don't does know look what. Yeah, I don't know what the um, Shout Factory one is like, but I'm assuming that it's like the same transfer. Yeah, you know?
0: that, that's the one I have Shout Factory.
1: So it it's a very good-looking movie. So that's another nice thing um some of these older movies that i've been buying lately it's like yeah it's in high def but man those uh those cracks in that film you can see it so much more clearly now all the damage
0: and yeah you can see what was Um, out of focus that you couldn't see on dvd
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's happened a couple times in george romero movies um i bought i have carrie uh from arrow i think um and I had it before on DVD and I'm I'm wondering if this one is any different, but yeah, it's high definite definition film cracks
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like through a couple scenes. It's like, Oh wow. It's like an unintentional grindhouse effect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. I thought they did a great job. Uh, you know, it's completely away from horror films, but I've been watching a lot of the older James Bond films lately just because I love that series and it's just nice to have another trip through it. And, uh, Lowry Digital was the company that did a lot of the, the the damage cleanup on it. Oh, nice. So Criterion does the same thing and maybe um maybe we should, I'll, I'll you know what I'll send you the link and if people follow our Facebook page, look look in the feed and you'll see this pretty cool video on Criterion redoing the damage and you know, they're talking about like, what do you preserve? Because there's certain there's a certain amount of noise and grain that's part of the character of the film. Right. You know, so it, it creates an interesting discussion about preservation versus kind of revisionist history and making something look slicker for the sake of it. And, you know, the aesthetic quality of <laughs> shitty <Right>. looking film. Right. <laughs>
1: What are your thoughts on it? Because I don't know. I don't think like grain should be taken out. But you know I think like restoring it if it's damaged should be. Does that make sense? Like Ghostbusters is the first one is a super grainy movie. Even if it's in 4K you're just going to have that you're going to be like super sized grain. (laughs) You know like it's just Mm -hmm. going to be more clear grain because the original information just isn't there to take it from. You know how they developed the film, the lighting conditions, what kind of stock they had, all plays into how a film looks and it's grain. So I don't think we should just be like full sale removing all grain, you know. No, yeah. And it's it's similar with aliens. You you look at alien on 4K and it's like, am I looking into a goddamn window? Are these are these guys here in my living room like with a chest burster coming out of someone, you know? It really looks phenomenal.
0: Well, I mean, that's because James Cameron is really anal about his look. Well, no, I was gonna say that's and, what
1: Ridley Scott did, but then Alien
0: in seventy millimeter. <laughs> yeah,
1: Aliens in the beginning though has some problems with green uh, when they're outside of Hadley's Hope because it's there's not a lot of contrast. As soon as you get into an area that has contrast to it, it looks great, but. I don't know if there were lighting problems or if it was the stock, but in Aliens, there's a lot of green.
0: I'm going to have to rewatch that. And, and I wonder if that's exacerbated by the rain machines that were going on. Because you, oh, yeah, you have be. noise and you got rain flying around and all that. I'm, I'll have to rewatch that and get, get, get back to you on that. But I'll, okay. I'll send you that link. So give us a follow on Facebook and uh, check out that video if you're interested in such things. Because it is cool it's just cool to see that kind of stuff and always brings a smile to my face where you know even sometimes when you think things are lost they you know we have tools to preserve things like that now
1: yeah i'm i'm gonna be like going back to um uh dog soldiers for a minute i'm like super excited to see what that movie is gonna look like with their 4k restoration you know now that they found the original film itself not a print you know Mm -hmm. I'm going to, uh, it's, it's going to be really cool to see if like that oversaturation is going to be as pronounced, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I, I was really excited when you told me that that they found the original version and that's coming out later this year. Yeah. So that's something yep. to look forward to for sure.
1: I know Second Sight uh, movie, or Films or whatever is doing the restoration in UK. So I'm not, not sure what company is doing it over here, you know? So, well, that's probably just, just a
0: distribution kind of thing, they'll just pass yeah. the ISO on to them, yeah, exactly. So, when is that Dawn of the Dead set supposed to come out? Because I, I did pre order, um,
1: that. uh, April, I believe, like okay. mid April is when they're gonna start shipping.
0: So, so
1: far away, <laughs> it is so far. What but now, <laughs> damn. um, yeah, so do I. Uh, for those of you wondering, like we're talking about the uh, Second Sight did a, a like an ultimate um dawn of the dead it was like seven discs or something that came out last year um and then they have like the smaller a small, a smaller version coming out uh later or soon i guess so yeah we'll finally get that on yeah. blu-ray
0: yeah i mean a. It, it just doesn't oh have the God. goblin soundtrack i think there is an art book that came with that it's a really nice set uh, my buddy blake who was just on last week's show he's got it and i was drooling all over his copy of that um, but it was a little bit too rich for my blood and I just had too much money going out the door at the time. So I, I was really excited that they, they came out with a version that was, uh, you know, the can cut and the Argento cut, which I, I have on DVD, but I only have the Anchor Bay Blu-ray that has the theatrical cut. So it's, it's cool to see those and, and that they're, they're kind of throwing us a bone here that they did the super deluxe version and that they're re-releasing one that uh, that us peasants can own on a, a little bit more of a budget. <laughs> yeah. For $40 one versus I- 100 and something.
1: Yeah, it was an expensive box set. And I was like, oh, man, that FOMO's kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I get it or do I not? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was, uh, when I read that it was coming out, I was like, yep, take my money. Here you go. I'm pre-ordering this right now. Yeah, whenever that comes out, I'm going to be super excited. So, Cool. watch that and, and see the unfocused bits in a little bit more high definition.
0: <laughs> had you ever seen any of the other versions of that?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I had the Anchor Bay one that you had. The, um, the
0: ultimate edition.
1: Yeah. So I, I loved it. Um I'm using air loved,
0: quotes. People can't hear that, but <laughs> right. Uh but it it was fun.
1: I love seeing all the different um cuts of the movie. Uh that made me really appreciate like special editions more that one in particular where it was like all the commentary tracks and here's like four versions of the movie Mm -hmm. you know they're all kind of different um here's making of like three making of shit you know it was so cool that it had like all this extra stuff you know it's just great yeah so anyways that's all i gotta say man is there anything else you wanted to add or
0: no i'm good let's let's wrap this up here i I think uh, this was a good one i i I do too uh
1: so as always give us uh, a like and a follow on our social media pages uh you can find us uh both on instagram and on facebook uh at post credits podcast and then go to apple uh podcasts and leave us a review Uh, helps us get you know a little bit more awareness out there gives us boosts our rankings if you will
0: into um 5 star reviews only please. Bad, yeah. Yeah, bad, if if you give <laughs> us bad reviews, you can keep Less gross.
1: than 5 stars, so help me god. You know, the internet's a great resource to find information, you know. Just saying. <laughs> that's a that's a veiled threat. Did you just threaten the whole audience? Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, I'm so kidding. so Italy, the Probably country of Italy it. is on your list the entire audience yeah. now.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep, the audience. And, you know, eventually the world, the world's going to be like, fuck this fucking guy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, no, awesome. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's, um, I mean, I think there's too many assholes out in the world for, you know, the world to get upset at anything I'm doing in my little corner of the internet. <laughs> so, yeah, you would hope, right? You would hope. So maybe you don't, uh, you know, knock on wood, I guess. It's, well, until next time. We're all friends here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Until
0: next time, we'll see you next week. Yeah, take care, everyone.